president used tear gas to push peaceful protesters out of his photo op. Less than half of black adults in the U.S. are employed right now, thanks in part to the coronavirus pandemic crashing the economy. And we've got BuzzFeed News culture writer Sachi Cole with us to talk about what counts as the right way to protest and why the rules don't apply equally. The date, June 2nd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. So Casey, uh, how was your curfew lockdown last night? Because here it was not great. Yeah, I mean, I honestly just watched the local news the whole time, um, which was slightly infuriating for many reasons. But um, I was just watching um, the protests happen all throughout Hollywood and tons of people were out breaking curfew um, and protesting for Black Lives Matter. Right. And same here in New York, where the curfew didn't start until 11 p.m. That's gotten bumped <laughs> up now, though. I know it didn't start until 11, but now it's gotten bumped up to 8 p.m. We have Wait, to be off how the streets. You, how did you guys have? 11 p.m. and we had 5 p.m. <laughs> I don't know. A tale of two coasts. That's all I've got for you right now. Before we dive into today's news, I want to give a quick shout out to listener Craig from Westchester, California, who, after hearing our list of old school songs that are resonating with us on yesterday's show, sent us his own. That's the national anthem in a minor key, which, yes, is very fitting for the moment. Thanks, Craig. I played that and I like X'd out after two seconds because I immediately got the tone of it. And I was like, oh, I can't handle this whole thing. But it is very representative of of the times right now. It is. And uh, minor keys. (laughs) Okay, it's time for today's TLDR. The most important headlines of the day brought to the top of your feed. Here are four things you need to know today. One. The president set the tone for the country yesterday, staging a photo op outside a church moments after the National Guard used tear gas to clear out peaceful protesters. In the Rose Garden yesterday, Trump declared, I am your president of law and order, and warned that he would deploy the military if governors refused to call in the National Guard. I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Just after his speech ended, chaos was unleashed against protesters nearby. Here's what happened just a block away. Reminder, this was almost half an hour before the citywide curfew in D.C. was in effect. Once the area was cleared, the president, along with the secretary of defense, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Ivanka Trump, and others, walked over to the St. John's Episcopal Church, where the president awkwardly held up a Bible for camera before walking back. The photo op was turned into a campaign ad-esque video by the White House later that night. Two, the violence in D.C. was matched around the country as the protests against police brutality continued, and the police were even more extra than normal in their aggression. 
In Philadelphia, a group of white men armed with bats roamed the streets as police only occasionally worked to deter them from confronting demonstrators. Meanwhile, peaceful protesters in Philly were pinned against a hill as police continued to throw tear gas at them. And in Seattle, the flashbangs and tear gas fired as MSNBC reporter Joe Ling Kent covered the madness, made it sound like a war zone. But we have police now advancing on protests. Oh my gosh, we're moving, we're moving. Oh. We're moving. Curfews remain in effect in many major cities, including now New York City, which will have people heading inside at 8 p.m. every night from today until Sunday. Three. Former Vice President Joe Biden spoke out today in Philadelphia, weighing in on the protests that have engulfed the country. The Democratic nominee for president spent a lot of time in his 23-minute address criticizing Trump and his actions yesterday and making the case for his own candidacy. The president held up the Bible at St. John's Church yesterday. I just wish he opened it once in a while instead of brandishing it. If he opened it, he could have learned something. They're all called to love one another as we love ourselves. It's really hard work, but it's the work of America. Donald Trump is interested in doing that work. Biden also called for immediate action from Congress to pass police reform, specifically asking for a bill to ban chokeholds. Among the pledges that he made was to create a National Police Oversight Commission in the first 100 days of his presidency if elected. And four. Less than half of Black adults are currently employed, thanks in part to the economic catastrophe caused by the pandemic. That's according to the New York Times, which pulled that data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics as part of a broader look at how Black Americans are faring during the unemployment crisis. While minority unemployment always trends higher than white unemployment nationally, that's been exacerbated over the last few months. And there's less of a cushion for black households for lean times. Median net worth in white households, $171,000. In black households, the median net worth plummets to just $17,600. That's almost 10 times less. Taken together, they're a set of figures that really highlights just how divided the country is by race and why people are turning out into the streets. Yeah. And again, divided by race and the double standards and everything, I'm still not over all the white protesters in Philly that are literally walking around with bats. Meanwhile, the police are arresting the peaceful protesters. And it brings me back to that image. I don't know if you saw it of um, in Huntington Beach, where Mm. a bunch of white people were gathering and protesting against the stay at home order. And the police were just, you know, there now cut to today. And things are so violent. Absolutely. And I just the fact that the president is the one encouraging this through his mm-hmm. actions is just so distressing, I think is the right word for it. Um, doubly so when you consider his motives. So the tear gassing peaceful protesters thing to go to St. John's. Part of the reason why he did that, according to reporting, is because he was upset about the coverage of the fact that he went to the White House bunker. This was supposed to be a show of strength from the president. And Honestly, it was not, though some people, some of his supporters who have always supported him think it is. And uh, fun fact, the Episcopals were Episcopal pissed about all of this. Uh, The bishop of the city was not warned ahead of time. And now she is up in arms against the president. I'm just every time the president thinks someone's being mean to him, people get hurt. I mean, that's not what we want. That's that's what no one wants, except it's what some people want, apparently. So the protests have everyone talking about race and the celebs in today's good news, bad news are no exception. 
This one technically counts as bad news for former Glee star Leah Michelle, but good news for Glee stars who have probably been waiting for this moment for a while. A former castmate called Leah Michelle out for alleged racism during the show's filming. Leah posted on Twitter on May 29th, quote, George Floyd did not deserve this. This was not an isolated incident and it must end. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. But then last night, Glee co-star Samantha Marie Ware said that Leah made her time on set, quote, a living hell. Ware, who joined the Glee cast in season six, then quote tweeted Michelle saying in response, I believe you told everyone that if you had the opportunity, you would, quote, shit in my wig, amongst other traumatic microaggressions that made me question a career in Hollywood. Amber Riley, who was a star of the show, uh, was Leah's castmate since the first season of Glee, seemed to confirm Ware's accusations, posting a series of gifts showing herself sipping tea and other shade. Wow. I, I, I agree. I'm sure that Glee cast members have been waiting for this moment for a minute and just, ah, oh, Jesus. In the past, other former cast members have spoken out against her, but it didn't get enough traction. And it's actually surprising that it's taken this long when it seems that there are so many cast members that have run into this ra- alleged racism from Leah Michelle. Right. And I saw, did, wasn't it the case that uh, the woman who played uh, Santana, didn't she also have a lot mm. of beef with Leah Michelle over her antics on set? Yes, definitely. She was one of the um, people who spoke out, although she does have other problematic things. Um, uh, Naya Rivera. Actually, I I saw a tweet about a a whole lot of stuff from Glee. So if anyone wants to head over to Twitter.com and just search Glee, I'm sure you'll find everything. Woof. And some good news. Fashion designer Virgil Abloh has apologized after being called out for his rather paltry donation to a bail donation fund and for his critiques of protesters. Abloh is an artistic director with Louis Vuitton and the founder of an expensive luxury fashion brand called Off-White. Well, over the weekend, Abloh posted a screenshot of his match donation to bail out people arrested at protests. The total amount, $50. For context, a pair of socks from Off-White cost $90. Abloh was quickly ridiculed for the low, low donation, with one person pointing out on Twitter, quote, a fan asked Drake and The Weeknd to match their $400 donation to bail funds. So first Drake sent $100,000, then The Weeknd sent $500,000. Virgil Abloh was asked to match $50. He sent $50. Abloh also used a picture of a boarded up store to criticize looters saying, quote, streetwear is dead. Abloh apologized for all that today, saying that people who criticize looting often do so as a way to make it seem like our fight against injustice isn't legitimate. I did not realize the ways my comments accidentally contributed to the narrative. He also said that he privately donated $20,500 to bail funds and other causes. Wow. I'm really glad that he apologized because uh, $50 when you work for Louis Vuitton seems Kind of low, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yes, the $50 was this, like, can you match me trend that was going on at Twitter. But when you're someone who has the means to donate, now is the time to actually show it. People have been talking about, like, am I bragging? Shouldn't I be, like, humble? I don't want to, like, say I'm doing this. And I'm like, no. Right now, people are donating. If you're donating, show it. And maybe other people will donate. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, there's, on the one hand, if it was just a random event and you're just saying, look, I donated money. Here you go. But the fact that it's supposed to be encouragement for others to join in, that is what makes a difference, I think. Yeah, exactly. Okay, when we come back, we're talking to BuzzFeed News' Sachi Cole about why protests should make people uncomfortable. Be right back. 
SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Throughout this past week, we've seen a lot of people arguing about what a good protest looks like or what the right way to protest is, with many people criticizing certain protesters and their methods. But are we really supposed to be comfortable when people are fighting for their rights? We're joined today by Sachi Cole, who explores this question in a piece she wrote for BuzzFeed News titled, The Protest Against George Floyd's Death Makes Some People Uncomfortable. That's the point. Thanks for joining us, Sachi. Thanks for having me. In your piece, you wrote that the way that people responded to last month's protests regarding the coronavirus lockdown versus this week's police brutality protests shows that the U.S.'s priorities are, quote, wildly disordered. What what did you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, when you have people marching on the state capitol with uh, weapons the size of toddlers and there isn't the sort of massive police response, the cops were not coming out in, in riot gear and tear gassing people, but you have people out on the street who are overwhelmingly... Uh, peaceful protesters that are getting uh, gassed and getting shot with rubber bullets. It's it's very clear that the government and the police have a very separate set of priorities on who they think should be kept safe in a protest. Why do you think it is that some people are so uncomfortable with these protests? Well, I mean, bluntly, some people are racist and they don't think these protests should happen at all. Um, I think also some people are quote, uncomfortable with black and brown people protesting versus white people protesting. I think 
Um, your discomfort with something like this says a lot about what you think about police brutality and what you think about people of color and black people primarily creating unrest. And there's a lot of people in the country who just don't think those people should be doing that. There's, there's a sense that you should kind of know your place and you should know where you uh, should stay in the country, if that makes any sense. Definitely. And why is it important that people are uncomfortable? Because discomfort is the only way anything changes. I mean, if you keep people, if you keep the unafflicted comfortable, then what's the point? Like what, what's the point of, of, of anything? I I just don't think that anybody should feel comfortable when there are black people out in the world who will very easily get killed by the cops for allegedly having like a, a fake 20. We should all be uncomfortable. We should all feel terrible about it. And, and it is our duty, frankly, the, the least the least we can do, especially as non-Black people in America, is be uncomfortable. Former Vice President Joe Biden gave a speech today in Philadelphia. He said, we need to distinguish between legitimate peaceful protests and opportunistic violent destruction. What do you think about that message? But I think generally people can distinguish between the two. Anybody who can is, I think, being unwilling and they're doing it on purpose. And also, if you think about like, okay, so where is a lot of the destruction coming from? If you go to a protest, you're probably going with a face mask, maybe some goggles to protect your eyes, a bottle of water, like a backpack, some cash, like a snack. You're not going to a protest with riot gear on, but the police are going to these protests with riot gear and with rubber bullets and with tear gas and batons. And they're on horseback, like they're driving cars through crowds. That's the distinguishment that you need to create here. It's not like who's a peaceful protester versus who's looting. I don't really care because the the volume of looters is so low compared to how many people are really protesting out here. But I'm much more pressed about the fact that the cops showed up ready for a fight. That tells me and tells everybody where their state of mind was going into this. And then also seeing police destroying property themselves. There's footage of them breaking um, windows and, and destroying cars. They are gassing people up. They want the fight. They want it. You know, it's it's interesting to me that we're so wrapped up and like we have to distinguish between who's protesting and who's looting. But there's far less conversation about we need to distinguish who is you know, a nice cop versus the ones that will murder people. Okay, real quick. Can we talk about this? So when I woke up, I checked my Instagram and it was just me scrolling through black squares for a minute. BuzzFeed did a piece that showed it's all part of a movement called Blackout Tuesday, which in theory was meant to push a social media blackout in solidarity with the black community. But it's got a lot of criticism for not really doing much. Saji, what do you think about this kind of protest? I mean, I'm, I, I get it in the scope of like, hey, maybe save your stupid selfie for later. Let's not be flooding social media with dumb garbage. I mean, I've avoided posting photos of my very cute cat because this isn't the time. But I think the blackout itself, I think it got misunderstood by a lot of people. They thought it meant, and, and by they, I mean, often non-black people, often white people, um, thought it meant, let's just not say anything. That's not actually helpful here. You should be saying something. You should be amplifying Black voices and you should be trying to see, you know, if you're somebody who can't go to a protest because of safety issues or you're nervous, you're not in a place where you can do that, then you can donate money or you can throw some support behind somebody who needs it or you can read books by Black women. Like there's lots of other things you can do, but I think some people took it as permission to just 
do less and it's it's already very easy to do nothing. So, you know, posting the black square, I think it gave some people some cover. They felt like, oh, I'm being involved and that's kind of lousy. And then also they were using the Black Lives Matter hashtag. So it flooded this information center that people were using with just black cubes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sachi. Thanks for having me. I only insulted like a few people this time. I think I did a good job. (laughs) Honestly, it's much less than Hayes does on a daily basis. He's really upset the Big Bang Theory crowd every day. (laughs) Okay, we have time for one more thing. And today that thing is the Secretary of State being an all-time hypocrisy champion. Today, Secretary Mike Pompeo took time from his schedule to meet with survivors of the Tiananmen Square massacre. Okay, unpack that a little for me. I know that at Tiananmen Square, the Chinese government killed a lot of protesters, but I need a refresher on what exactly went down. Okay, so bear in mind, this is a very condensed version. During the first week of June, 31 years ago, China cracked down on protesters all across the country, killing a lot of people, especially in Tiananmen Square in the center of Beijing. This happened after more than a month of protests demanding more democracy, less corruption, and more economic opportunity. Does this sound familiar yet? In response, police and the military were sent in to crush the protesters. It's not clear how many people were killed in the process because China has suppressed the number over the years, but estimates range from a low of several hundred people to a high in the many thousands. And so Secretary Pompeo is meeting with some survivors of this crackdown by the police and military on protesters as President Trump is urging the police and military to crack down on protesters. That is a bingo. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And if you want a feel for just how fucked up this is, you should hear what President Trump has said about the massacre in the past. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, yeah, this one's bad. So this is what he told Playboy in an interview back in 1990. When the students poured into Tiananmen Square, the Chinese government almost blew it. Then they were vicious, they were horrible, but they put it down with strength. That shows you the power of strength. Our country is right now perceived as weak, as being spit on by the rest of the world. Yeah, this is not a great look for anyone. Also, fun fact, Hong Kong is not having their normal annual protest, march, slash vigil in remembrance of Tiananmen Square for the first time ever, since mainland China has put a new security law into place. That march usually draws like thousands of people, but it's been declared illegal for the first time in 30 years, in part because of how the pandemic has got everyone distracted, and it's just all a mess over there right now. I mean, for the first time in 30 years, that's a long time. Are we expecting any protests? It's entirely possible, given the fact that Hong Kong protesters have been out on the streets demanding democracy anyway. The fact that it's illegal now probably won't stop people, but it will mean that the police will have the chance to have a free hand to crack down on those protests in an unending cycle of police brutality as people just want their rights. Uh, And that quote, man, it just really has stuck with me since the first time I saw it. And it just shows that Trump has always been like this. He's always believed in the power of strength over the power of people's voices. And if you don't match people's voices with the strength and violence of the state, well, then they might get what they want. Mm, An awful quote, an awful mindset. All right, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we're joined by Matt Ortile. He's the managing editor at Catapult Magazine and author of the new book, The Groom Will Keep His Name and Other Vows I've Made About Race, Resistance, and Romance. And remember, this is a time where many people turn to religion for comfort and reflection. Then there's the president, who, when asked at his photo op, is that your Bible? He responded, it's a Bible. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. 
And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Peacock streaming new movies every week at PeacockTV.com. We'll have the Twilight Saga. I never felt more alive. Selma. We must march. Plus Bad Boys 1 and 2 and Shrek 1 and 2. So good to be home. Tons of blockbuster hits you can't not watch. Sign up at PeacockTV.com. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And break us off with some bread because we waiting on reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 9021OMG, visit Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Listen to 9021OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.